Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast, which sees the return of the legend that is Lady Poison. And of course, Chris, but let's be fair, at this point, he's old hat. So, hello, Lady Poison. Can Rude. You Are you there? <laughs> yeah, she's cackling. She's definitely here. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Hi, Liam. <laughs> I can't believe we've managed to persuade you to come back to tell more tales from the lair. Well, I'm easily bribed. <laughs> it looks like you're actually in your lair as well, like last time. I am, yes. Is that some spells and stuff I see on the girl? Or is that just Halloween decorations? Um, no, that's the cauldron that came from the local Methodist church. Oh, the one Mr. Railroad stole from the Christians? The one, one of the ones he had liberated before oh, it was thrown out. Of course, we must use that word because stealing is not right and we could possibly get in trouble. Absolutely. I mean, he did have to pay for it because they were very rusty. There was lots of clean-up required. Ah, uh, so man hours basically cleaning up was his penance. I think so. I think he paid. Blood, sweat and tears. We like it. Yeah, definitely the blood. There were some sharp edges on the rust, I think. <laughs> Does that just add to the energy, though, no? <laughs> not sure what Ed, whether it adds or whether it detracts, actually. But there we go. <laughs> right, so the first question we have for you is, of course, it has to be, is your neighbour still alive? <laughs> Sadly, yes. Okay. So for those that don't know, like many witches... This witch, Our Lady Poison, seems to despise her neighbour. And you don't believe in, in killing him, uh, either with kindness or quickly. This is some sort of long, drawn-out torture, isn't it? Of course. I mean, that, that's the traditional Welsh way. You know, you don't want them to just, you know, death is too easy. You want them to suffer first. So, um, Oh, that's yeah. why you're still part of the union. That's why he's still here, Yeah. <laughs> Although I have had some ideas of a few extra things to, to load on the, the pain, so... Um. Okay, so 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 far, the running total, I can't remember exactly everything that you've done. <laughs> I know you blocked off the energy to make everything stagnant there. Yeah, right? that, that was stage one. Yep. That was stage one. The next stage was he's built in some sort of building or extension or something. Can, didn't you put goofer dust? Um, I put my hexing graveyard dirt into the foundations when he wasn't looking right so, so he's the not house is literally built on it okay and how long ago was that four years still hasn't finished it <laughs> i was gonna say is the building work still going on oh yeah absolutely okay and what's the general state of the i suppose the fam him and the family there it's expanding he's had two two children since he started the okay. work but um did they all come yeah, out of an all right my time. have you been any uh, changelings messing with the children you did say something about a fae trap i'm wondering now <laughs> i couldn't possibly comment <laughs> we love a changeling yeah <laughs> no so, the uh the latest thing actually was from Liam, our conversation at the Moot on Tuesday. I tried a bit of dream walking last night and sent him some fairly unpleasant imagery. 
Okay, right. Are you going to share with Psychological us your imagery torture, chant you sent, or is this not? Is this too? Uh, is this PG thirteen? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm assuming he doesn't. He likes spiders as much as I do, so I sent him a few giant oh, spiders. Yeah. Um, but if you don't like spiders, why would you want to? Ooh. Oh, I can't see myself. You see, that's all right. Okay, so you went as a spider. I did, and then I morphed into one of the, this, this golem type thing I've been working with with the uh, um, the, the London curse. Ah, uh, yes, we'll have to talk about that on the <laughs> Patreon, I think, maybe, because um, we don't want to be giving away all of your cool magics, you know, to these scumbags that don't join the Patreon. <laughs> Ones that don't pay. <laughs> yeah, the cheap now, seats. When uh, when you came on last time, you'd just started, I think, with the jewellery making. Mm -hmm. Is that right? So how's that going? Lady Poison's jewellery. Poison jewellery. Oh, yeah. I've just opened a bespoke Lady Poison shop so it doesn't get in the way of the, the mainstream jewellery because um, some of the stuff I've been doing on request has been a bit out there. And quite frankly, if... <laughs> offensive to non-pagan witchy alternative types are you so, talking about my reverse my reverse jesus um rosary yeah the one that lost its head the first time round. yes that one are you wearing are you wearing it now i'm not wearing it now now but i do intend to take it out with us in Good. future um yes you're the only person i know that sells jewelry that has a secret jewelry shop because there's this literally like back in the day, old witches and cunning folk, they got the regular business and then they got the secret business on the side out the back. And mm -hmm. I know that everything nowadays is all online, but you've actually got a secret online shop, haven't you? I have a secret online shop and a more public one now, yeah. And how, how does one access the secret online shop? Because you can't give a special funny knock or a handshake or anything, can you? You have to ask me for the secret password and hope that I've remembered it. <laughs> there might be a reason why I've opened a second one, you know. Okay. So, yeah, so with the secret shop, we may or may not put details in the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Facebook group of it. But So you're going to have to have a little rummage around and look. I'm pretty okay. sure you've Depends posted how much it beg, there I before. Um, I've seen a couple of your pieces. You've done a couple of nice pieces for me. I know the latest one was a really interesting one, which is basically um, sealing herb spirit allies, plant spirit allies in silver and copper and stuff. Yeah, that's right. I did the, um, I wanted some of Chris's rosemary to to seal, but we didn't have any, so I had to use some of mine. Um, and apparently mine is very nice, according to, according to you. So uh, well, I'm I'll tell you sure. what it is, yes. You can tell a lot about <laughs> someone from their rosemary. Um, <laughs> read into so, that one, Phil. <laughs> um i've just i've just turned it off now but i have got some sage that i've covered in clay uh copper and that's been cooking all day so um okay. i should take it out and have a look later hopefully it survived the, t the polishing process if it hasn't i'll have to start over but um yes the actual spirit of the plant has been in trapped within the uh, with a copper normally you when you're doing a, a copper leaf you just put the copper on one side and then the cop 
the, the leaf burns away, but I've been putting the copper on all round the leaf, so the actual ash from the leaf is encased within the, the copper itself. So it's a full alchemical combination of the, the plant, the spirit and the copper. So, um, yeah, I've got my fingers crossed. They're, they're still, in, still in one piece. I'll have a look later and find out. I had a sample of the rosemary, which was in copper. So that that's really interesting. I'm, but I've never seen anyone do that before. So were you the first one to do this? Um, I think I'm the first one to do it magically. I know it's quite a common thing to, to use uh, leaves and paint mm. them to for decorative items. But again, only on the one side. So I've been actually wrapping the entire leaf in, in the metal, mm -hmm. which is, I haven't seen anybody else do that. And I'm sure they're not doing it with the alchemical um, no. element boost that it's been given. So with your jewellery making, because you've done some interesting things, it's not just that. You've done um, the graveyard dirt. Actually, graveyard dirt, hex powder, yeah. yeah. Behind, <laughs> behind, um, jewels and crystals and things like that set into rings I yes think you've been working on some poison lockets is that right i have the first one is almost finished um i'm not sure i'm ever going to do it to... Oh, actually that's not true i've already started another one this afternoon um so <laughs> but yes i said that um i did I, I did one and it was very i won't do it the same way shall we say Okay. Well, I mean, if it's the first one, there's a lot to learn from the process, but you seem to be mastering quite a lot of different techniques. It's not like a lot of these Etsy stores that are just doing, well, they do one technique or one thing and they just do lots of different designs. You seem to be taking it very, very seriously. You've also had Mr. Railroad convert a room into a jewellery making. Well, I don't know if you've moved the little children in yet, but isn't it going to be a sweatshop or something, I imagine? Um, I just thought I'd employ you and Chris. Oh, okay. But, oh, uh, but yeah, when it comes to jewellery, what I wanted to do was to do true magical jewellery. Most yeah. of what you find on the in the paid and shops and online is mass produced from Chinese mm. sweatshops. It's pretty, um, it's cheap, but there's no actual magic about it. Mm. Uh, it is just a symbol. Uh, from, from cheap metal. Most of it pretends to be silver. It isn't actually silver. Everything I do is either sterling or fine silver, unless, it's, unless of course, it's copper or brass. But um, the, my, my silver is genuine Hallmark quality silver. Now, someone's actually picked up on something, and I don't know how they've picked up on this, but who knows? I think it's probably quite accurate that a lot of the jewellery that you're making it seems to find a home or tell you or the person it it, it does i was i was where i made myself a little stacking ring just mm. you know for fun and i went to uh went to a, a party with a friend and um the ring spent all evening saying i want to go home with somebody else mm. and um so i gave it to the person who had been shouting that all evening and yes she's uh she loves it she was a bit, bit, bit shocked to be handed a sort of hey, why this ring wants to go home with you, but uh, <laughs> it did. I'm sure a stranger so it found a home with that individual. <laughs> 
Um, so the process of making the jewelry then, because people, when they look at jewelry making and magical jewelry making, a lot of people will probably be in awe of that, that you can produce something that's almost alive or is mm. alive. But then they'll be thinking, if they were to go and look that up, they'll be saying, oh, you've got a caster circle, you've got to go and do this, you've got to go and do that, very ritualistic. So how does this take on the form? What is your process? Have you got one? Um, most of my work is done, well, and as you know, intent is everything. So uh, that's all you need to do, isn't it? Intention, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, d I don't work in circles. I don't work in circles anyway. You know, I don't find them necessary, relevant. Uh, it's not my, my way of working. Um, I will, if I'm doing the plant work, I'll be, I'll be linking with the plant spirit and literally pulling it into work with the, the forget-me-not and the Starlet Pimpernel rings. Um, obviously, the forget-me-not is literally to make you memorable, mm. which can be useful if you're doing for a job interview, you want them to remember you. Mm. Um, sometimes, obviously, you don't want to be seen, so that's where the Starlet Pimpernel one comes and allows you to sort of sidle quietly around so that nobody actually notices you. You're not actually invisible, but you're just not noticeable. Mm. But I, I work with the plant spirit and actually incorporate parts of the plants within the metalwork. So unlike the leaves where I've been actually encasing them in, in the metal, I will be making, um, calling on the spirit of the, of the plants, making a either a tea tincture or some sort of liquid. And then whilst the actual making of the silver, I'll be quenching it with the with uh, water or fluid with the herb involved so you've got an actual alchemical blend of the herb the magic within the silver or copper or bronze whatever whatever metal i'm working with so it's actually it's sort of actually incorporated within it and then it's up to the obviously the recipient to mm -hmm. make their own link with yeah. the with the plant and, and start to work with it so basically it is very very different to i think how a lot of people would view the idea of making magical jewelry or magical talismans or anything like that because a lot of you hear a lot about people concentrating and trying to push a lot of their own energy and stuff like that but your process seems very not like that it seems a lot more traditional of your there there's an alchemical process going on and other things decide to use that to their advantage and maybe well, I don't don't want my jewelry to be impregnated with my yeah. energies because I think it's important for people are working with it that they create yeah. their own relationship with with the plants with with the, the graveyard dirt has got a link obviously if they, mm -hmm. it's up to them that the hard work's been done all they have to do is just make the final connection to the to the plant to the spirit that's attached to it um, I've just facilitating I guess really um, making it easy, yeah. particularly for people new to this, to, you know, the hard work's been done for them. The, mm. the plant is ready and willing to, to play. And all it needs to do is go up and say, you need to go up and say hello to it and start to make friends. So for those scaredy cats out there that would be thinking, well, Lady, Lady Poison's a powerful witch and maybe a bit of a trickster. What if I get a lovely little skull or something like that from her? What if I get it and it's actually cursed? I mean, would Lady Poison, uh, you know, would you ever give away 
an object to someone or sell an object to someone that could cause them much pain and discomfort. Only to my next door neighbour. So it's just the ones you give away for free. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, because again, I don't particularly want to be linked to other people like that. Mm. And if I was to do something like that, there would be my traces within yeah. the with the object. And I don't want to be bound to somebody like that, um, particularly. So no, basically, what comes through is is clean as far as I'm concerned, but what the people, what the recipient chooses to do with it. Uh, 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 one of the gravestones, the tomb-shaped rings with the graveyard dirt behind it, there's a link to, to the graveyard. Uh, what the recipient chooses to do with that link um, is entirely up to them. Yes. And you can as far as I'm concerned, they've got the, the portal is there, the connection is made, but that's where I have no more interest in what in what happens to it, what, what what's done with it. Chris, this is a lot like I hear these American shops that sell guns and that. <laughs> 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 they kind of like shed in their responsibility of it. You know, they do a basic background check, which don't amount to much. And but then, then it's like, well, there we go. There's your anything, <laughs> anything can be misused. I mean, how many, everybody <laughs> listening to this probably has got a carving knife somewhere in their kitchen. Mm. which they use for carving the Sunday roast or a steak knife for their fillet steak. Um, no, I only use mine for killing people. Well, yeah. there you go. I suppose the, the argument to be made is that, yeah, you could use a kitchen knife to kill people or maybe even a chopstick, you know. But yep. there's a difference between... Even a knitting needle. And an AK-47, which I would imagine Lady Poison's jewellery is the magical equivalent of that. <laughs> No, I think you give me too much credit for that. <laughs> well, I've got some Lady Poison jewellery, and I have to say, it is the real deal. I do much like it. And, uh, yeah, whenever I see one of your pieces, even reworked pieces, because you did, I think the first thing you did was a rework of something that I started doing with a little charm charm um, necklace and stuff like that. Oh, that's right. That's... You, wanted a better, you wanted a better hook for the... Um... Bloody night, didn't you? Yeah. Setting for it. it. It's got a certain something on it. I will, I will just say that. I, li I, I nearly like would, I I would love swearing, touching that necklace of yours. <laughs> right. I'm so, just saying, where's mine? That's all I'm saying. Well, Mr. Chris, maybe you'll get a bright pink envelope in the post at some point in the future. With some of the bits off the floor. <laughs> I need to know what you like, you see. Yeah. <laughs> With Liam giving an upside down cross and he's happy. <laughs> well, I've got two of them now. <laughs> there you go. You can share. <laughs> no, I don't share. <laughs> right, so talking of other magical objects, and I'm not sure if you'd call this a magical object, because we've had this kind of little chat and debate before, Chris, on one of the other podcasts about um haunted objects and magical objects but then remains so there was a story that you shared with madam the haunted skull evil yeah, bitch yeah, she was um and although we can obviously they can go back to the other episodes to listen in more detail about that but there was people that were a little bit concerned that at one point you may have given the skull away to someone that attempted to possess someone or something could you just clarify that a little bit 
Well, the skull had a very active spirit attached to it. Um, it was clearly a male skull, but the spirit attached to it was very clearly female. And she really didn't want to be imprisoned within the skull. So she kept coming out, which are fine, that's, they, they do that, not particularly bothered. But the problem was, she every time she saw a, a, a female body somewhere, she would try and take possession. Um, she wanted to be alive and in and, and have a have a body again, which made it very hard work to be around. So um, after a couple of months of having to put the shields up every time I walked into the room, I got a bit fed up with her. So I pop, popped her in a box and seal, sealed her in the box and shoved her at the back of the garage, um, <laughs> as you do as with you an do. unwanted box spot spirit that you don't particularly want hanging around the place. Um, somebody asked if they could borrow her to work with her, and I was thinking, oh, great, yes, lovely, take, you know, take her, take her. I don't necessarily want her back. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I got a message a couple of days later. Would I, would, she, would I mind if they exercised the skull? And I thought, okay, well, you can try, because she was very, mm. very firmly bonded to this uh, trial, and I knew the person doing it wasn't, she wasn't a complete beginner witch, but she wasn't, a, wasn't the most experienced. So I thought, fine, okay. That's you know, a very nice that's... way of putting it. <laughs> if, you think, if you think this is a good idea, then you go ahead. So anyway, um, I did hear through the grapevine that she had actually tried playing with this girl and um, almost invited it into somebody who, uh, who was very inexperienced mm. to be a host for, for, for a working, which um, is definitely against my ethical standards anyway. That's not something I would do. Um, I wasn't prepared to let Madam take possession of anybody under under my uh, uh, supervision, and certainly not of me, because I think once she was in, she'd be a bloody hard work to get out again. Um, so anyway, long story short, um, they decided to they decided that they actually this probably wasn't the greatest idea to try and exercise her, and she came back to me, back into the box and back into the garage until uh, I thought this is silly and sold her on. Now, out of that story, there's one bit that really, really shines through and sticks in my mind, right? I don't know about you, Chris. I don't know whether you picked up on it. But there's this concept of Lady Poison having ethical standards. And I know, Chris, you're allergic to ethical standards, which is why you're probably... I know, hence why I sneeze. Which is why you sneeze, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, what would Lady Poison's ethical standards be? Is there a go-to things that you do and you don't do? What, what What's up with that? Well, obviously, yes, I have ethical standards. Um, my, but my, my ethics are going to be different from everybody else's. I will go to a certain point. I mean, I've got no compunction about taking graveyard dirt um, mm. from the grave. That, that, I know, is something lots of people won't do. Um, I've got no objection to owning human remains. Again, people, that's something else that other people are fairly, can be very squeamish about. Um, when it comes to possession work and things like that, though, it's a case I think you almost have a duty of care to some people, the people you're working with and those that you're teaching. Um, yes, oh, you would suppose... Do we? Hmm? we don't, Chris, don't worry. Obviously, no. we have <laughs> different ethical standards when it comes to students and stuff. <laughs> I tend to think, I tend to think if it's if something that I wouldn't do myself, I'm not going to encourage somebody else mm. to do. 
I think that's it. And certainly with this with this madam, I was no way I was allowing her possession of of me. Um, so I wasn't going to allow her to to possess anybody else. And if that meant chucking buckets of uh, salted water over them, then so be it. And we did come very close to that at one point. Mm. So when can you remember the last time you really had to thought or give any amount of thought to something, you know, at a crossroads of, do I do this, don't I do this, how do I feel about it, um, ethically speaking? So what was your last ethical dilemma? How long do I torture next door for? <laughs> and what did you decide in the end? Carry Forever on. and ever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> Forever and ever and ever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you're living up to your name and reputation lady poison i thought we were going to go a bit south there i know it was all going to be a bit nicey nicey but no that's fine we're bringing things back good I'm, I'm glad you're happy with that now we will talk about something that um i'd like to delve into in on the patreon um, which will really does involve ethical standards but also to a certain extent a witch's taste, I suppose, but I'm not going to reveal what that is now. Instead, I've been asked to ask you, um, given that they love your stories and such, whether you've got any ghost stories, um, which I'm sure you've got loads, but there's one specific one that we probably shouldn't call it a ghost story, but I'm going to call it the ghost story in the car. And I was wondering whether you oh, could that tell, one. Us, tell us that. <laughs> You've got five minutes before we transfer over to the Patreon and we can oh. talk all about stuff that we're not allowed to talk about publicly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. The, the, the car story then. Um, yeah. I don't know if people remember about, God, was it 10 years ago? There it's was enormous floods. Yeah. yeah, enormous flooding in the Somerset levels. It was raining constantly, and I think in the end they had to get pumps in from the from the Dutch to to drain the levels. But it had been raining for well, it felt like weeks, and um, I'd been going to a, a, a very formal corporate event down in Taunton, um, which meant just a vest suit, high heels, canapes, and nothing much else. So about 10 o'clock at night, I thought I've had enough of this. I just made my, made my apologies and headed home across the, the Mendips to where I live on top of the Mendips. And um, I couldn't take my normal route, which would take me across the levels because I, I knew they were flooded. So I, came, I thought I'll go through, I'll go through Cheddar, take the, take the route through Cheddar Gorge. And then drove up to Cheddar, came through Cheddar over the bridge and stopped because in horror there was absolutely no road in front of me. The flooding had actually flooded the, the main road to, from between Cheddar and Wells and all around me was just a mad expanse of water, abandoned four by fours and um, there was me. And this is why I mentioned I'm a bit of a car buff and I have an MX-5 which at that point was severely slammed. I had about three inch road clearance. So I was listening now, looking at this enormous lake in front of me, thinking, shit, what do I do now? So uh, I could go up over the gorge, but I'm, I knew that would be full of rocks. And there's a certain dip at the top where I thought the water would be too deep for me up there. And I don't really want to go across the plains in the middle of the night. So the sensible thing, of course, would be to turn around, go back to Taunton and put myself into the travel lodge for the night. But at that point, there was this thump and something appeared in the seat, passenger seat next to me. 
and I sort of looked sideways, you know, oh, hello, what are you doing there? And he said, come on, come on, come on, get a grip and, uh, you know, drive through, you'll be fine. So, I mean, the maddest thing I've ever done, I suspect, I put the car into first gear and headed off into the flood. Um, <laughs> a quarter of a mile later, we come out of the flood. Uh, half a mile, there's another flood. So the whole way, probably about, I don't know, 10 miles um, of intermittently flooded roads and me in a very low MX5, not dressed for the weather at all. <laughs> and with this thing in the passenger seat saying, come on, don't worry, you'll be fine. Horribly chirpy he was too. So anyway, got to the top of the top of my road. Said, "Right, you're home now. Bye." And just buzzed off. Um, so do you know what that thing was? The story. Well, at the time, I had absolutely no idea. Um, I'm amazed. I wasn't actually freaked out about this. I was, you know, I was really calm considering something had appeared in the car and I'd done the impossible. But it was several weeks later. Well, it must have been several months. It would come as Christmas, and I was doing a pass working, and. Uh, a guided pass working and the the leader was talking about bran the raven at this point i went bran 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 um bran in the welsh tradition is a raven he's also um bran the blessed the protector of the of the uk and the bridge between worlds for these people he actually made himself into a bridge to carry his people across from wales to ireland at which point I got this sort of the laugh, the raven turned into brown. He said, well, it took you long enough, didn't it? Um, <laughs> so that's my ghost story on the car. That's very practical from a magical perspective. There's a lot of talks about, you know, making ultra spaces and praying to gods and goddesses that all these pagans apparently do. But there is a practical mm, example, so. which is brilliant. That's what I love to hear. So that's it. 